0: Hello everyone and welcome to Grief Burrito. My name is Harrison and today I am joined by a man from my past who twiddles keys with a caramel voice and he actually taught me to tend a bar. Today we're going to be talking creativity, how to find nuggets of goodness in your stories, how to work the nuggets, how to grind them down into a fine gold dust. And if that wasn't enough, I also have an amazing email sent in from New York Times bestselling author Karen Travis to give us some tips on being creative and how to make your stories a little bit better and how to find your creativity if you're struggling. So with that, let's go to the intro. With that, let's jack in, jack off, whichever you prefer. You feel free to choose your own adventure (laughs) with that one. It depends what time of day. So we've been talking about The Matrix. Let's start there. What was your thoughts, first of all, on the film, Greg?
1: Now, are we talking first Matrix or Matrix Resurrections? Oh, Resurrections. Resurrections. Oh, (laughs) Yes. Oh. I thought we were going to start this out on a positive note, but never mind. Uh, (laughs) No, I, I... I was hoping when I saw the trailer for the film that the, everything that you'd seen in the trailer was just a big red herring, and I thought that this was just you know oh. our, they're just they're just luring you in to think that it's just the Matrix again. Okay. And I was hoping they'd they'd sweep the rug from underneath us and you know because it's Lana Wachowski she wrote and directed the original three. Yeah. Um, with her sister Lily, and. You, you know, so you think it's in the right hands, and and then it was just exactly as predictable as the trailer led me to believe it was going to be. It was, but was that
0: not meta in itself? Was that not planned all yes, along? Yes,
1: it's, it's possibly the most meta thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, um, I know,
0: I, I know. It's like
1: metaception. I was, yeah. <laughs> I
0: was quite shocked by it. Um, I'll yeah. say, I, I felt the same going in. I expected to be quite. Um, I don't know. Like you said, swept off your feet. I expected something that was a bit more solid in tone. Like it was mm-hmm. very not. I don't want to say by the books because it wasn't by the books. It was still very weird, and it had a lot of odd ideas with its like metaception um, mm-hmm. that it, it hit you in the face with. Yeah. But it wasn't like concise. I, I think that's the best way to describe. It. Like it, it didn't feel like a solid thing. Like where the original Matrix film was so defined in style, in tone, mm. in concept. It was like yep. an auteur-led project. And uh, this is, a, an, an auteur project is something that me and Jordan spoke about last week. For any listeners, tune into this one if you wanna check that out, go back to that episode. Uh, where we talk, spoke about a game called Another World. Are you, are you familiar with Another World?
1: I've not heard of it, I'm afraid, sorry.
0: Okay, don't worry about uh, it. Some people won't <laughs> have it. It's not like the biggest AAA game that people know of. It's, uh, right. it's one of like the original indie games that was made by one guy um
1: called wow. Eric Chahi okay. yeah
0: and it was made for the the Commodore I Amiga I have heard of it yes yeah? I've heard of
1: him I've not heard of the game I'm not I'm not yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not familiar with the game
0: yeah so that's that was an auto project that we were talking about and that was how I was expecting this new Matrix film to be again because of how the originals were I was expecting it to have such a concise visual style as well to it um yeah and it I felt it like the odd. first
1: the first Matrix film it, it was written and written and and changed, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it like it was like a ten year period in which they were writing this film, and and yeah. um, and they just made it perfectly. You know, it was a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah they did. Uh, um, yeah, your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> on yeah, I mean,
0: we we should preface, you know, that we will go into spoilery things in while we're talking about this. Um, yeah, and in in terms of the creativity of the film, like I have some questions for you specifically about creativity Um, because Mm. I have certain thoughts on what makes me creative and I put out questions to our listeners and viewers about what that gets them creative. So Mm -hmm. if you're to sit down, Greg, for, you know, light some candles, (laughs) get yourself ready for some solo creation of the evening, do you get greased up? Like, what's what's, how do you get yourself ready to write something interesting?
1: I don't like staying in one place. I like going for a walk and Mm -hmm. because that really... It gets the juices flowing and it does. you, know, it's you, can, blood, you Greg. can visualize it's things blood. and you just, you just <laughs> a little bit <laughs> and other things.
0: Whoa! Dogging <laughs> early in the podcast. It's fine, it's fine.
1: It's kid friendly. I've usually got my head down and uh, make no eye contact with people. It looks incredibly mm-hmm. rude and I look a bit weird probably. I'm 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 mulling it all over in my head and it's it's the best way I I find of just being able to just map it. And see where it's going and mm-hmm. it's like a it's like a puzzle piece that doesn't work yet and you've got to try and figure out how it all fits together. Yeah,
0: you've got to find those corner pieces and get them around, yeah. haven't you? And then build exactly. sort of it
1: inwards and outwards
0: simultaneously. Yeah.
1: I don't know I don't know how people like sit in a room and just Just smash it out. Smash it. I, I just can't it, yeah, I sit no, in a room and I'm just like Nurr. Nurr. No, I'm
0: I'm the same. Like if if I'm doing something creative Um, I guess first and foremost I'm very much like I I need to find a mindset, Uh, I find that music often helps me when I'm working on Mm. something creative and it tends to be that it has to be something similar to the concept of what I'm working on so the music has to be similar to something that you would feel in that world so for example if I'm writing um, parts of my sci-fi novel I would listen to something of that ilk or something a bit more unusual that has a bit of mystery to it in, in the way it is yeah. in music. I find that sometimes being creative is like falling asleep. If you try too hard, you end up tossing and turning all night and you'll get stuck. like yeah. You'll never find a way out of it. Some some days though, that, that's, that's what's frustrating. I don't know if you find this as well. Some days I wake up and it, I, I will wake up at like half six in the morning and I'll be like, right, I'm ready to do music and I've just mm. got to get up and I've got to put my headphones in and just go. Yeah, just do and then it, I, yeah. I see people about 11 o'clock, I come out of my room and they're like, I- have you been working? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, since like 5 a.m. <laughs> and they're like,
1: what the heck are you doing? <laughs> it's, it's bizarre, isn't it? How it just sort of comes yeah. to you in mm-hmm. freak moments. Um, yeah, I can think of times where I've, I've thought of a melody mm-hmm. and been like, oh crap, I'm in no place to record this but I've got to sort of try and keep <laughs> You want me into your in phone
0: head. as well? I'm like, ah, uh, like I've never sing it done into that. <laughs>
1: Mainly because my vocal range is, is uh, microphones decidedly microphones bass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound too good. But um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's weird. And there's there's days where you do struggle to mm-hmm. um, to manifest it. And but sometimes it's better to just write something than nothing. Even if it's rubbish, yeah. Uh, you know, I have a phrase called "write for the bin." Um, okay. Just get it down, and if it's if it's if it's crap, leave it, or go back to it and try and make it better later on. You know, the the best thing is to just try and do something, be productive, because yeah. you can just spend your whole life procrastinating and never doing anything great. Yes,
0: um, yes, you can, and that frustrates me to no end. I I see people hmm. who are immeasurably creative and i'm not going to be specific about certain people in case i trigger them um or in case they're listening um but i i know people who make amazing things and they will not release anything i i try to stick with a manner like you mentioned then that iterative creativity is better than nothing in that Like you said, getting even if it's a section of a story down, and even if you know it's bad just for that moment, at least you've got that core nugget of an idea in there that you can then go in and whittle it out to find out the best way to get it on the page, or whether it's music, that kind of thing. Like when I'm doing music, like just to let the listeners know, Greg is also a musician as well. He does some amazing, amazing music. I love your stuff, dude. It's always very cinematic. (laughs) Um, <laughs> when it when it's music, you can be home, You can be like, yeah, yeah, this is me.
1: <laughs> You're in a safe space, Greg. Um... <laughs> it feels so weird. What Sorry. Is... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's weird because I've I've not actually written a piece of music for a while, and since really? since yeah since doing the book, it was like, am I a, an author now, or am I a musician, or now? am I both, or am I none of the above? Yeah, it's See, very. That's... It's very com-
0: that's where it gets hard to put labels on things. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, people ask me what I do and I, mm. I'm in, in what, which day. I'm, I just say I'm a media creator. That's what I do. Mm. I just make things in different areas depending on where my yeah. interests
1: lie in that week. I think that's what most creative people are like. It's like mm-hmm. they don't just specialize in one specific area. It's like, you know, they want to get involved in everything. Like when, when I was younger, I wanted to be a film director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, when did you start with the book? Then, just to sort of get into that a little bit, I'd, I'd always wanted to write a book, but I never thought I had the chops for it. Okay. Because I didn't know the techniques that writers use, and everything. Every time I ever tried to write something, it just it just ended up being rubbish in my head. And then lockdown happened, mm. um, did and it? well. so everyone's locked away for for days on end and i had this idea of this character who's you know been locked away his whole life and doesn't know anything about the outside world and all of a sudden he gets thrust into this world that he knows nothing about and he Mm. has to sort of learn to adapt to it and and i'd always wanted to do a story about like freedom fighters and you know um mercenaries going up against the corrupt government and things like that but i'd never had a an avenue in which i could link all the yeah. pieces together and then it all just sort of started falling into place during lockdown i had all this free time going for walks and stuff and it just sort of i was just like right just just start writing start writing and see where where it ends up and then mm-hmm. about a year later i was able to publish it and it all just seems a little bit surreal.
0: <laughs> so it it is properly published now.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's on Amazon. Shit, man. Kindle. You didn't tell yeah. me that bit. I thought you were just <laughs> working on it still.
0: Oh my god. No, no, no,
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it came out just just before Christmas.
0: Oh, amazing. That's so cool. I did not know that. Amazing. Make sure to send us links and I'll put it in the in the I will the do. man. Notes, I will do. Thank you. Definitely. So in in a manner of when you're being creative like that then, I suppose mm-hmm. you didn't have um community to write with like they did in The Matrix where they had a literal boardroom Mm. creative scene
1: (laughs) what did you uh, you make of that? (laughs) yeah well I mean this is the aspect of the film which I find most interesting because it almost feels like it's ashamed of its own existence or it's trying to it's trying to take the the mick out of the reason for it to exist yeah it's really interesting to think about the, the, the way that films are made nowadays and mm-hmm. you know once you've got one really successful film then the, the person who funded it is like right more of that but better and bigger and you know yeah. we want to make more money next time I'm I'm split on my opinion on like sequels and stuff because mm-hmm. obviously you'll never capture the magic of the first one but you still want to see these characters again in different scenarios and you want to further the story a little bit more. You almost lose a bit of creativity that way.
0: Yeah. It's hard when you want to see a character change like that because you, you almost, you want to put them in a completely different situation. And when you look at sequels that have worked and there's obviously the few that people always pull out like aliens and Terminator two and you know, Mm. it's, and those films are very different than the original films. And that tends to be why they worked because they are taking the core concept of what did work but then changing the format around the nugget of creativity that's in there, if we're going
1: to call it the nugget or whatever it is. Um, yes. And that tends to be why it works. And the characters have evolved as well. They've, they've, mm-hmm. They're not the same person that they were in the first film, whereas a lot no, of the no. time in sequels it's like, okay, let's do the same thing because what mm-hmm. else can we do? Yeah, yeah. Those, you know, The best sequels are the ones where it leads the character on a different journey but yeah. they're still the same yeah. person yeah
0: and i think that was what was strange about this this film the matrix resurrections is that i didn't feel like i felt like i was just watching keanu reeves i didn't feel like i was watching neo from the, the other films it, it felt yeah. so meta and out of place in that way like there there's some subtlety to being meta like you're mm-hmm. writing subtext you're not just writing text (laughs) you know like you you should be able to read into it a little bit to get what's going on behind the project and i i felt like i was just slapped in the face too much with it and then it it got in the way of the story of what was actually going on because i was so busy trying to comprehend what was happening with the meta stuff that i missed stuff going on
1: in the story well this is this is what i mean about it being sort of ashamed of itself because yeah, yeah. clearly the Wachowskis didn't want to come back to this franchise; they wanted to go off and do other things. Yeah, and they were I done. Mean, they, they did like um, you know Jupiter, Jupiter Ascending and things <laughs> like Jupiter <Ascending>. Cloud <laughs> Atlas yeah. that didn't do well for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. And it's basically the studio going, "All right, make this, or we won't hire you, or we won't. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll make it without you, basically." And
0: they literally yeah. say that line in the film, which is yeah. mad.
1: <laughs> uh, it's yeah. incredible how much warner brothers let them get away with i know because they actually n- name them and yeah they do the process yeah. and it's uh yeah <laughs> it's the it's it's one of the strangest films i've ever seen um and not not for the right reasons no um, but i
0: think it will stay in people's minds for a long time i think that in 10 years people might look back at this and be like do you remember when they did did this with the matrix and i think people might look on it as quite a big thing at the time that was yeah maybe missed out i could see i mean like a weird cult classic of people who just work in the cinema industries be like yeah stick it to the man you know (laughs) that kind of thing
1: yeah Yeah. i mean it's they they took a risk the the Mm. filmmakers on this and you can't you got to admire them for that but at the same time you know it doesn't help that you're getting flashes of clips from the original film yeah, um, that was very odd. Yeah. And it's just like you're watching that and you're like, why am I not watching that instead? You know, yeah, I, I it I'm makes watching, you just want to watch in, the original. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm watching yeah. an inferior version of something that is already a masterpiece and uh, it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. It- I was like, you're right about the Keanu Reeves. He feels stilted and stunted in his performance and, and like he sort of doesn't quite know how to act it. He's all right. Once he knows who he is, he, yeah. he 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 sort of disappears into the role a bit more when he mm-hmm. wakes up. But um, yeah, that first half he just looked so gormless.
0: He did, and I just don't think he was directed very well. I think that no. was, and a- again with that the subtlety thing that I mentioned a moment ago, I feel like they, well, the director was was so caught up in being meta that they didn't direct the actors. As, as well as they could have done or should have done in, in, in that aspect. Like, I think that, I mean, I can't say it's not a hard thing to do because, like, directing is a, like we said a minute ago, yeah. it's a really hard job. Like, I've watched directors on set working while I'm there. It's obviously very stressful. And I get it yeah. that you're trying to wrangle the emotions of actors while wrangle a set and all the crew that are there at the same time and where the camera should go. But mm-hmm. nothing on screen appears on screen unless the director wants them to and that's why it's hard to be subtle because how do you imply something if you if you've shown it on screen but you don't want them to see it that much but it needs to be there that's yeah. hard and you know when we're not talking about cups that are left on the set for the game of thrones thing or the man in jeans in gladiator like it's hard to be subtle but i think yeah. they should have tried a bit more with that i think it could have benefited with more hands on from another director at the same time
1: yeah and i think i think the other film's benefited the fact that they were a duo, making it together. Maybe exactly. Lily was more yeah. responsible for the action stuff, the the, the technical aspects of um, the filmmaking process, and Lana mm-hmm. was more the, the script and the story. I'm not sure, but... Um, I mean, you have to take into account as well that it was a film made during the pandemic, so they'll obviously be restricted mm-hmm. in in certain terms there, but it, it almost makes me wonder whether it was phoned in on purpose in order to display how pointless reboots and remakes are. Yeah. I I'm not yeah. sure. Only only the director can clarify yeah, that. Yeah. Confirm but it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mm. think that if if Warner Brothers wants to take this further, which who knows, uh, based on the box office result, but uh, the Wachowskis definitely won't be involved. I don't think.
0: No, I don't think so either. And it. I I know what you said about the who whoever directed the action in this one i know that they didn't have the original um like stunt choreography team uh, yeah, or was anything Yu Mo like Ping, that
1: um, yeah. in the originals and obviously i mean he's still alive but he's in his mid 70s um yeah he's like no <laughs> yeah no chance he was getting on a plane from china no um, no especially not at this point no um no yeah i,
0: I <laughs> the combat was probably the thing that i I don't want to say I hated the most, but I really did not enjoy it. Like, no. The, com- the combat and fighting and action scenes in a Matrix film shouldn't be the worst thing. Keanu Reeves should be. <laughs> and I feel bad, like, I love Keanu Reeves. You know, I, yeah. I like him. He's breathtaking. We all know that. He's great in the John Wick films. And you can see how mm. good his combat stuff can be.
1: Yeah. And- you're, you're spouting the look at the moment. It's, uh, it's quite a uh, John Wick esque look. Have, yeah, i have to wear the black suit. I should have wear the black suit. Yeah. He <laughs> um, should have. Oh, it was so good. We should have both suited
0: up for this. Can we do this again? Res- reschedule again for a third time. <laughs> yeah. Listeners who don't know, my my cable broke as soon as I pressed record last week, so we're about to reschedule. <laughs> um, right, what, what, what is next on my list? So we're going to talk about a bit of creativity, and I said that I mentioned that we got uh, an email in from Karen Travis. Um, mm-hmm. If anyone isn't familiar with Karen Travis's work, she's written, uh, she wrote Gears of War 3. She's written, I think, five Gears of War novels. She's written three Halo novels, loads of Batman books, 10 Star Wars books. She's done, yeah, she's done a lot. She's done a lot. So I messaged her Easy saying, lady. hey, Karen. had uh, quite a lady, I know. Um, very good episode <laughs> as well. If you want to check it out, I'll put a link in the show if anyone wants to listen to her episode. So I, I messaged her and said, you know, what what sort of stuff do you how do you prepare yourself for being creative in in sci-fi or in any other kind of novel that you're writing? And she said, creativity, well, it all depends on how your brain's wired. And first of all, that made me laugh because I was talking about the Matrix and we're talking about wired brains. So I was like, <laughs> nice. On brand. Very good. <laughs> um, she says, I have a sorry story to tell about trying to be too creative and it involves dreams featuring argumentative lettuces, election night with Kamal Ataturk, I don't know who that is, and a bunch of 17th century Ottoman potentates in a huge silken in huge silk turbans, a Roman legion on push bike to a petrol station and trying to find a vet to treat a possum in the middle of Valletta. Uh, long story, but I'm not going to go into any of that. But that is why it I sounds struggled... sounds like
1: she's been... Uh...
0: That was what I thought. I yeah, think. I was like, she's been <laughs> trying some substances to get some, uh, some stuff going. <laughs> but she said that's why she struggled so much getting into Mother Death, which is her latest novel. Right. She said her old method is... Tried and tested, and it was a very hard lesson in not fixing what isn't broke in terms of creativity. My normal method is very dull. I don't have any stories in me waiting to get out, but I've been a journalist. And because I can only work by the computer model approach, all I have to do is ask the questions if something crosses my mind. Like, why do people do that? What if we went there? What if X suddenly vanished? The questions that I'd ask if I was interviewing someone, and I work from there. It's just extrapolation. I don't exert any will on it. I just juggle big data sets of likely outcomes in my head based on profiles of characters that I'm writing. Another writer asked me why I decided to have something happen in X book. And when I said I didn't decide anything happens, I just followed mental flowcharts dictated by what the character's personalities are like. He just didn't get it. I know it's unusual, but it's all I know how to do. And I find that really interesting. Firstly, Mm. because it's allowing your mind to jump between divergent paths. And I don't know if you're similar to me in this aspect, Greg, but I I find that I'm much, much better when I'm working on multiple projects at once. Um, A lot of people who know me know that I work like that. So I'll be working on art over here, music over there. I'm doing stuff with my business and I'm doing the podcast and I'm launching some other stuff. I just find the more I get my brain working, the more creative it seems to be because while it's working on one thing, something else is being worked out in the background and then i go oh that's a cool thing for this
1: it's like i can't do more than one music piece at, at once i can't do okay. more than one of the same thing mm-hmm. like i can only dedicate a, a few hours to to writing for instance yeah um throughout the day however if i balance that out with something else mm-hmm. then i can get something like else done and it's almost like i've rebooted my brain for the thing that okay. I'm going to go back to later on. If I focus too long on something, I, I burn out and it doesn't quite work. Unless unless it's film music because then that's something that I can actually really like. I can just concentrate on that for for hours, like yeah. the full day. I'm not sure, not sure why that is, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I know what you mean in terms of uh, doing multiple things. It keeps you it keeps the juices flowing, keeps you moving about, and like I say, it resets your brain. For the next project that you need to work on
0: yeah definitely and i i find that sometimes the best ideas that come out are almost like i said then about your brain concentrating on something else it's Mm -hmm. almost an unconscious effort to when you're writing something for example i tend to find that when my best ideas come up it's more that i'm discovering them than i am thinking about them they tend to come out in their own manner like i've i've written a couple of well i've got a few different novel ideas that I'm working on at the moment, some way more complete than others, some are still very very mm-hmm. basic um but some of the best have come out of my dreams, which I almost feel like I can't take credit for because it just <laughs> happens while you're while you're in it and but obviously it is your brain because it's you know yeah. it's come up there um it's, yeah yeah you
1: should, be able, you should be able to like monetize your subconscious i I don't doubt that we will be able to one day.
0: <laughs> I, I, I think we will what people will be able to jack terrifying. into your dreams <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: the worst idea ever make NFTs of
0: your subconscious people will be all over that shit <laughs> on the internet yeah um, <laughs> right let's see what Karen has um, said next she says my creativity is very simple I pick a situation or an environment just like you would with a game an abandoned outpost on Mars or a civil war on the Isle of Wight a society made up of angry old women and <laughs> ask what kind of person would be in that environment Then I flesh out the characters and their psychology. I throw them together, let them interact, and see what happens. Again, like she's more discovering what would happen as opposed to writing it herself. I can disassociate and think like them. The change in brain activity that allows this, that has actually been demonstrated in MRI experiments with actors, believe it or not. So they actually seem to become different people when they're acting certain roles. Um, That's why I never really know where a story's going until it actually gets there. Characters surprise me most of the time. So when I say a computer model, I do mean it. That's how my brain works. It's also very visual. If I see a picture, I can write a book about it. And there's always a story in every single image. I I feel like this route is interesting because it makes you live the character that you're writing. And it's not, yeah. in, it's not like you're thinking, what would this character do? It's more like you're sitting as a backseat in the person's brain while it happens as like an outside
1: viewer you know yeah yeah it it struck me whilst i was walking the other day that a lot of the characters i created for my book it's all just different aspects of my personality just in a different form like Mm -hmm. when i was when i was young i used to be incredibly anxious like Mm -hmm. from, from my teens to my mid to late 20s very anxious person and struggled really with, with speaking to strangers and just you know making eye contact with people so I I just sort of poured all of that stuff into this this one character who's been isolated from the world and so would be anxious it makes sense for him to be anxious when yeah, he yeah. all of a sudden gets thrust into these crowds and you can only really draw on what you know what you know about emotion what you know about people and mm-hmm. you know there, there are some there are some evil characters in it as well but it like no one is inherently evil they just they make bad choices based on i don't know the hard times that they've endured and yeah it's it's interesting where your brain goes when you're thinking up these sorts of characters um yeah totally they are they are a part of you whether you like to admit it or not yeah
0: yeah i think they are and it's it's quite interesting what certain writers Come up with when they're writing characters. For example, like look at Stephen King when he wrote Jack from The Shining. Yeah. He basically, wrote about himself hating his kids. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, it turned yeah, out he, quite he's interesting. Done quite a f- he's done quite a few novels um, where the lead characters are writer. just nearly oh, um, all of them, yeah. In different, like, terrifying situations. That, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, The Shining's an interesting one. I'm not quite it sure is. how far you want to read into it. <laughs>
0: no 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 it's uh it's it's a very good story i i'm i think i prefer the film but again i I think i've mentioned this before i'm a big stanley kubrick fan so like i appreciate the film for that aspect i know there's a lot of differences between the book and the novel and i am reading dr sleep which is the sequel at the moment Mm. um i keep saying that on the show i'm struggling to get through it it's over there and it's massive
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah just give yourself time mate you'll get you'll get it eventually i'm trying. I think that the difference between the film and the book is that the, the the film is more feels more like a psychological thriller as opposed to a supernatural horror. Um, yeah, I think Stanley Stanley always preferred doing more sort of realistic mm-hmm. uh, psychological stuff, and the book tends to go down a more. Fantasy and
0: esque. Does it does? Yeah, it gets a little more fantastical. The history of the Overlook's very interesting, and I've heard that there there might be links with Pennywise in the actual mm. hotel, which is very interesting. So I know yeah, that yeah,
1: it's a crossover.
0: Yeah, at the end of it, chapter two, I think it does say Pennywise lives, doesn't it, or Pennywise will return, or something like that. And I'd love to see if they link it with any other stories. I think that'd be <laughs> very interesting.
1: Yeah, you wonder if these if these authors sort of. Plan these things out, or if it just sort of happens. Because, uh, like, the, the whole thing about Quentin Tarantino and his characters, like, mm. overlapping and, you know, different generations being related yeah. to each other and stuff, I find that quite interesting, even if it's not really real.
0: Yeah, I, I do wonder, like, it seemed to be such a niche thing to have connecting universes quite a few years ago. And since Marvel has been doing it, I think people are getting a bit tired of that mm. and i don't mean that they're not they're not liking it it just tends to seem to interest people a little bit less
1: it's very difficult to do it well yeah yeah it is
0: yeah uh like a couple of my my books the way that they're i'm working on them i'm working on two specifically concurrently and it's because they're connected so i'm writing them to make sure that the connections fit together wow it's Gives hard it's <laughs> <set yourself laughs> a big
1: target there good luck yeah
0: to you. and this is two of the dream ones as well so i'm like what the fuck happened why did i think <laughs> of that like what the fuck <laughs> yeah but it works you out you have quite vivid story. dreams then very very vivid yeah i Wow. my girlfriend says i talk a lot in my sleep
1: <laughs> like oh, really right.
0: full-on right. conversations okay. yeah which uh i feel sorry for her because she she wakes up and thinks that i'm talking to her and i'm just like giant absolute yeah. shit
1: yeah <laughs> You better uh, hope you're not divulging some secret or like... Yeah, what well, I'm a very In honest a... man,
0: Greg. I don't keep secrets, luckily, <laughs> so I don't hide anything from my girlfriend.
1: <laughs> I know that. I know that. But.
0: I, I'm very interested to, to hear you say before that you were quite a timid person, knowing that mm. you were a bar manager when we met. And mm. it's like, that's the... You, you're talking to hundreds of people every night, especially at the Rose and Crown. Like, it was heaving back when we used to work
1: there. Well, when I first started as a bartender... I just wanted to collect glasses all the time. I just wanted to keep my head down, not look at yeah. people because I was terrified. I was going to make a mistake. I was working at Gusto, which is a, mm-hmm. a cocktail bar and I had to learn about 115 different cocktails and it was just overwhelming. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Fuck this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then you realize the more and more you do it, it's like, what are you actually afraid of? You're afraid mm-hmm. of looking stupid, um, in which case. You know everyone looks stupid you know yep. it's fine you just you're just in front of a stranger it's not a big deal and also you learn how to make small talk with people yeah um yeah it's a skill that not not a lot of people know no. um, unless they've worked <laughs> in that sort of industry it, it, within hospitality and i find that fascinating it, it, i've always said that people should endure it for at least a year Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. It should be like mandatory. Once you leave school, you have to a year in hospitality. Have to do a bartender job. Yeah, yeah, because (laughs) it does. It teaches teaches you the skills of just how to talk to people.
0: You have no idea how glad I am that I worked at that place. Mm. Like it taught me a hell hell. of a lot. (laughs) It it was hell, but I loved it. I loved it so (laughs) much. I had so much fun, regardless of how stressed we all got. You know mm. me, you, Doug, and Jace. Shout out to Jace, you wonderful Irish bastard. Um,
1: <laughs> the, the laugh that could floor you. Within oh seconds. yeah,
0: he's had like a, a deflating balloon laughing. He's like, Wee! <laughs> 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 Oh god, I love that boy.
1: What a legend! What a legend!
0: Yeah, we had we we had such a good time. But it it teaches you so much in yourself and in in manner of us saying before, like worried about looking stupid. That Mm. comes into play a lot when you're being a creative person. And like I said before, when people don't put out content, they work on something and then they hold it in and don't release it. It's it's the same thing. They're scared of being, you know, people on the internet can be harsh. They can be brutal. You'll probably get ridiculed. I -hmm. probably have been. I'm probably being ridiculed right now. But The thing is, I don't care. So people can say what they want. As long as you're putting something out and having fun, like that's what it's about, isn't it? You know, it's about creating You've got to
1: ignore the noise. Mm -hmm. and just focus on what if you think it's a good idea do it see if it works if it doesn't work fine move on to something else yeah next thing next project Uh, yeah and and that's that's an attitude that sort of it comes with getting rejected and you know evolving your skill involving your craft Mm -hmm. taking the criticism on board but also ignoring a lot of it at the same time yeah yeah, totally. That's been something that I think only in the last f- four years, maybe that I've I've been able to just latch to and just say, right, if it if it fails, it's not the end of the world. You've got to have the the bravery to see it through to the end for it mm-hmm. to fail, because otherwise, failure is just a guarantee.
0: If you don't try, you always fail. Really, you've, yeah. you just got to try. You know, you've got to get something out of the end of it. And it's sometimes it's the it's the like. A lot of people say it's the lesson that you learn from the failure that's more valuable than the failure itself because then you know what to do next time. I mean, yeah,
1: hopefully, yeah. With this book, um, I had a review come through um, from, I think he was 1414 14-year-old boy who re- read it within two days, which I thought was incredible. And he's quite a critical reviewer and he's given me four out of five, which I thought was, was amazing um, yeah, for, that's great. for the first review. And But he has outlined all the things they thought was wrong with it but that's fine and they're things that i sort of knew anyway but okay having someone actually articulate it for you a complete stranger who has no dog in the fight he's just giving his opinion it's really it's really beneficial for you and and i'll know for next time because i'm I'm starting on book number two now oh amazing to take those on board i don't get people who can read that fast
0: that just I, yeah. I wish I could. <laughs>
1: There's people who can read yeah, a page with impressive. each eye. Like,
0: yeah, it's an impressive skill to I have. Yeah. And I wish I could do. It's, it's, it is nice to get honest feedback from someone. Like you said, it have a dog in the fire. It's got no mm. um, underlying biases to tell you it's good. And that's where you get honest feedback. And it's it's good when it's critical but helpful. Not like, oh mm. shit. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. This no. podcast crap. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, you'll always get trolls and things like that that want to cause mayhem. Um, yeah. But like I said, you don't listen to that. You listen to the people who, you know, they have yep. genuinely good opinions, even if they're negative about your work, and they 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 want it to be good. Yeah. So yeah. you've got to listen to that.
0: Never feed the trolls. That's what we're learning. Talking about things that we liked. Was there anything you liked about the new Matrix film? Because there's certain moments that held my attention. I'll let you have a think, mm. as you like, you need to be <laughs> pensive a moment, and <laughs> I think, really dig down into that. Was there anything I actually liked? Um, I, one... I, yeah, you go first, <laughs> I've got one definitely that held my attention, and it was it was a funny moment. It was when it was the last chase scene. When uh, swarm mode was activated in in the matrix, which was yes I, did, I didn't like that. there was no reason for the people to have the matrix symbols in their eyes. <laughs> no, they're already no. programmed. they don't need <laughs> they don't need to represent that. It doesn't make sense because you'd want Trinity and Neo not to know who was bad, who wasn't going to kill them or were going to kill them. you wouldn't want them to know that. So why show it? But anyway, I digress it was the, the moment when they're driving away on the motorcycle, the scene suddenly cuts to a couple lying in bed. And the guy rolls over, suddenly sits up. The wife goes, whoa, what's going on? And the guy runs towards the window and launches himself out the skyscraper. And she Mm -hmm. screams this really horrific scream. And it turns out that the Matrix is using people as like living missiles, throwing them out of buildings that are just smashing into the road. It's horrific. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, like that bit held my attention for how shocked I was how different that bit was from the rest of the film do you know what i mean
1: yeah i mean that was obviously that was unexpected and it was creative Mm. and really sort of a cool idea but it did it did have me wondering like is that person just dead now then same that's what i thought in the pod i know they wanted to they wanted to capture neo and trinity because they're the the source but yeah you just sort of just murdered a bunch of people yeah so you've lost a load of batteries (laughs) <laughs>
0: you know that's yeah, what they're after. They're after strange. the little Jorah cells, aren't they? They even hold them up. It now was you're an, gonna have to get some yeah. energy saver shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jorah cell bunnies just like yeah. doing overtime. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it, it was an interesting idea. I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure if it was uh, just there to be to look cool. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. There was a moment for me which I wasn't expecting that I'd like. But it was in the cafe with Matrix, with um, Trinity and Neo, just sort of, just sort of chatting, just talking. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. It was nice to sort of just hang out with these guys that you'd not seen in like mm-hmm. fifteen years, um, and they were actually having a bit of chemistry, which they were. They didn't really have in the first three. No, books, no, the they first were very. Time. Yeah, we've seen a bit of emotion and. Both of them smiling, you know. Yeah, Getting I know to the, act. the situation yeah. exactly, but the, the situation <laughs> in the in the first three films was pretty dire all around, yeah. Um, but yeah, in this one, it was like, Oh, oh, I get it, like they do have a connection, they're not just robots, you know. Yeah,
0: whoa, is it meta all along? Are the humans the robots mm, all along? Whoa, well, that's <laughs> I, it, it's, it yeah. that's
1: the problem I had with the original films, is like the the robot characters have more, more personality and you know more yeah more life in them than the human characters <laughs> yeah. it's like they got that the wrong way around they did um did you catch the name of the coffee shop by the way no
0: simulate <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's genius
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I really like that. Cringy. That was yeah, and it was like the green <laughs> things coming down. And it had green lights that came down in the walls at the back. Yeah, it was. It
1: sounds like the sort of yeah. thing you'd suggest.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would suggest. That. I'd be all over that. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a couple of things. Other things that I liked. I also liked that the there were some robots that didn't want to carry on fighting the people. And that yeah. sort of defected because they wanted peace. Because if you watch the Animatrix, which is the animated like short films, if any listeners, if you haven't checked that out, make sure you do. It's very cool. There's a couple of good uh, mm-hmm. episodes in that. Including the first time I ever saw a character get their head smushed. And that was yes. ru- as watching that as like a 14 year old kid. Oh, uh, oh. I, No, the sound wasn't design that on that. Yes. It's incredible. Yeah. Like like the mountain in Game of Thrones, like that moment Ugh. you uh, Again, not spoiling that if you haven't seen Game of Thrones for some reason, but yeah, you'll know the bit that I'm talking about if you have. Check that out, and you'll see that some of the machines weren't the bad machines weren't the bad guys in the first place. It was the humans that started it all. So it was nice yep. to see that some of the machines were wanting peace, and they had these like weird. They're made out of like spheres, like nanospheres, aren't they? That exist in the real world, but they're mm-hmm. p- programs from the Matrix, and they sort of dangled this cool idea in front of us of like, oh. Some of the machines don't want any of this, but ignore that. Look at all this shit over here. Like yeah. We're going to look at this much less interesting story, which was a real shame, you know? And I like the weird bird yeah. cobra robot that was invisible and wasn't... It, it yeah. wasn't supposed to be in this film. It was felt like it was from a different film, you know?
1: But Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, the technology is obviously... It's come, along, it's come a long way in the last 60 years or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, uh, and, yeah, the design of... The robots was pretty cool. I like the little, the little helper robot. That, yeah, the um, little guy. Yeah, he was cool. The... Yeah, but yeah, you're right. I think they spent too much time in the Matrix. It's like, oh, we're gonna go to Io. We'll spend five minutes there and <laughs> and bugger off. I, I preferred all
0: that stuff, if I'm honest. Like, yeah. I thought that the, the CGI of the real world looked amazing. Like, the robot mm. city, when you saw it, looked absolutely phenomenal. When Neo and Trinity came out the pods and they were all, like, glistening and gooey, looked great, you know, that was really cool. Mm. And there's a moment where it looked back at, I think it was Niobe was talking about the, the machines started turning on each other as well which is a really cool concept because they're fighting over energy now. And at that moment, when there's like a sudden flashback, you see these big machines in like this giant vista in this blue smoke, and they're all fighting with all this pink and red light. Looks absolutely beautiful on screen. And I remember turning to my girlfriend and being like, this is a better Terminator film than most of the Terminator films that we've had. And then they just cut away from it and never show it again. I would rather see that. I want to see that stuff. That Mm -hmm. was interesting, Greg.
1: Yeah it's it's bad isn't it when cuz i mean in the in the in the sequels like the stuff with Zion was the least interesting aspect of the films. It was. Yeah. And and now we're pining to go back. Yeah, <laughs> to take the us real back outside. And, yeah. yeah. I actually think Keanu looks better with a
0: shaved head also. He looks better with a shaved yeah, head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, nice
1: he, his his like. his hair can actually be its normal color. Yeah, instead uh, yeah, the, the of dyed <laughs> pitch black.
0: Yeah. Um, also, there's a there's a moment at the end of this film where I think I went again to sorry. Was there anything you did like? Anything you wanted to bring up that you liked other than what I
1: mentioned? I think that's uh, I think that's it. Yeah, I was going to say um, I didn't
0: editors. I didn't extend that pause. He paused for that <laughs> long. <laughs> no, there's nothing else he liked. Freeze <laughs> frame. Yeah. Nice zoom in there. Um, yeah, the, the the moment at the end when like, we didn't even talk about. What's his name? Neil Patrick Harris with his bright blue glasses that mm. was obviously the bad guy all along because his blue glasses with a blue pill. Neo and Trinity and go and see him and she kicks his jaw off his face. Because reasons. Just for no reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and then they fly away, which was quite interesting because um, now Neo isn't the one, they're now the two. I guess they're going to be called the two.
1: I think because they're both connected, it yeah. was like, oh, we need Trinity to have a power moment. Um,
0: yeah, which was cool. Which you know, very... I like that Trinity yeah. was the powerful one. I think that was very very cool. Yeah. Uh the song at the end is a cover of the um Rage Against the Machine song from the original film, isn't it? Have have you heard about about this band, Brass Against? No. No. So Brass Against I'm familiar with anyway. I actually quite like a few of their songs. They've done covers of Audio Slave, of Tool, believe it or not. They've done a couple of great covers of some Tool songs. Um Recently, they've been in the news because the uh, the singer, who is a lady, peed on a man's face during a gig mm. <laughs> on stage. Of course, why wouldn't you? And so I had to jump into the internet and find the video, as as you know, <laughs> I, I do I do these things because why? I don't know. <laughs> um, so I found this video and it was blurred out. Like I'll say, you know, the the, the moment of the pee was blurred over what was what was happening. But mm-hmm. good God, that stream! I thought he was going to (laughs) drown. I've never seen so much liquid. Honestly.
1: She was clearly holding it all day. I know, and she was singing at the same time.
0: She sings that song while she's peeing on the man's head. So, like, the diaphragm power must have been really forcing that pee out. (laughs) I might insert a clip. Maybe in the uncut version. If you're on Patreon, you'll probably get
1: the uncut version. People will need context for that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Maybe just an image. I don't know if I can add that to I'm our stream. I'm definitely
1: going to uh, be searching for it after this interview.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, check it out. You'll be amazed. But but yeah, the, song, and, uh... the song itself. <laughs>
1: Nothing on the original,
0: unfortunately No, no, it's, it's nothing on the original, I, I'll say that um, However, if you want to see Brass Against They're touring with Tool right now So you might be able to go see them They're not a sponsor,
1: but they could be um, <laughs> <laughs> The song's amazing I don't know if you've yeah. heard it yet
0: So good, so good I hope they sing it together and <laughs> pee on more people um, So Greg, I think we're That's actually me. coming to the end of the podcast As this has been an hour episode already right. As we've been flying through this Um, uh,
1: the time has flown
0: it's been wonderful Um, do you want to give us another quick synopsis of the book and where the listeners might be able to find it if they want to check it out without looking at the link at the bottom
1: (laughs) (laughs) sure, it's called Magnus Powell and the Shadow Squad it tells a story of a 15 year old boy called Magnus who's been locked away in a prison his whole life, it's set in a post-apocalypse future where a, a biological weapon has wiped out most of the planet and so everyone's sort of hiding away in underground bunkers and the world's gone to pot, basically. Yeah, but but what about the book?
0: What's in the book?
1: (laughs) (laughs) See how I got my inspiration? Uh, But the government had disappeared to this city in the sky called Arcadia. And if you're wealthy enough to to live there, it's great, but they won't let anyone who's not a certain elite level. And so this band of mercenaries, they break into the prison-holding Magnus in order to let him assist them in their sort of revolutionary quest to overthrow this government that's hiding from the world and along the way magnus discovers various things about himself various fantastical things about himself and yeah all hell breaks loose basically
0: sounds very interesting
1: so yes i'll definitely be checking it out and uh
0: yeah like we said guys the link to that will be below if you've enjoyed this episode Please leave us a review, five-star rating, wherever you're listening. Uh, Leave a comment and what you thought about The Matrix. Encode the review into The Matrix if you're feeling so special about that. And subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Next week will be our first spooky episode of 2022, so make sure not to miss that. We've got a live investigation coming, which is going to be very exciting. And if you'd like to get some behind-the-scenes videos, this will all be going up on patreon.com forward slash griefburrito, where you can support the show too. Thank you so much for joining us, Greg. It's been so good to have you Thanks for
1: having me, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Genuinely missed your face. <laughs> Hopefully, see so your easy. face, dude. <laughs> it's okay. Right, let's finish the plug. Bye, guys. Hey.